0: Welcome to Divorce Master Radio, where divorce is made simple. Got
1: questions about divorce in California? We've got answers. Your host, Tim Blankenship, is a licensed legal document assistant specializing in California divorce,
0: helping those representing themselves. And now, here's Tim. Hi, everybody. This is Tim Blankenship with Divorce661.com. And today on the podcast, we have Brian Safdari with college planning experts. How you doing, Brian? Good. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm glad we were able to finally get you on. I think we set this up a few months ago. So yeah. um, with what I do, we have lots of clients that are going through, um, you know, have kids going, getting of age that they need to get into college planning or get into college. And a lot of questions come up. So I really wanted to get you in so I could have this on wax, if you will, and yeah. uh, be able to share this with folks who have these questions and plus education for me as well. Sure.
1: Love to have yeah. all your
0: clients and put them on the right track. Exactly. So uh, why don't you just introduce yourself and uh, tell us what you do and give us an overview basically. Yeah,
1: I'll start off with kind of the background, how I got into this because it was very weird and, you know, they say things happen for a reason, but it was just like all these mistakes happen and then I realized, putting all the picture together, that it was all for a purpose. Um, I played soccer my whole life and my ticket to go to college was playing really good soccer and using the soccer route. Or the athletic abilities to get into good schools and get grants and financial aid my parents were really low income we were when we first grew up when we were little we were probably in very low poverty we were on welfare and government assistance and I'm so grateful for the assistance our family had as I was growing up and in uh, middle school high school I played soccer and I started playing really serious soccer I started uh, uh playing club soccer and uh when I started using the soccer abilities, I went to high school and then uh, I went to Chatsworth High School in the valley and I ended up um, playing four years of varsity. I ended up making the Olympic Development program, which is a, uh, a pre- preparation for the u s World Cup and the national team and all of that stuff. And that was my whole dream. My dad played pro soccer. I wanted to play pro soccer. and that's So all you're okay out.
0: at soccer. Yeah, I'm all
1: right. <laughs> yeah, today, that's mm-hmm. not a different story. With, uh, you know, uh, running a family and a business, it's very hard. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I ended up uh, going to a... Uh, I got into a lot of good schools, like private universities, Duke, UCLA. Uh, top colleges that I wanted to go play at Division One. But getting in and affording it were two different things. Mm. So what happened was... When I injured myself in my senior year, unfortunately, uh, coaches were not interested in me because they didn't know if I was going to get well. So they said, come to our school and you'll redshirt for a year. And if things go well, then we'll think about scholarships for the following year. Mm. But because my parents didn't make money, I couldn't take that route and pay for it. So they said, well, we can help you with this FAFSA and these financial aid forms. You fill it out and you might get grants and financial aid. So I said, okay, we're low income, we should get money. We submitted our financial aid form, my parents owned a small little business, and we listed the business net worth on the FAFSA. Mm. There was over 150 questions, and there's an 85 to 80, over 80% error rate on these financial aid forms on how families fill this out, including us making the mistake. Long story short, made mistakes on the forms, didn't know what I was doing, I was overwhelmed, and. I ended up having to turn down all my dream schools, and I said, I'm just going to commute and go to Cal State Northridge, which was right down the street. So I lived home, went to CSUN, filled out the financial aid forms. The school said, sorry, you don't qualify for grants, and it was because I made mistakes on the FAFSA, Mm -hmm. which will cover those, which will help a lot of business owners and families that are listening to this on what you can do legally and ethically to help you. So I made the mistake I got in $53,000 in debt after college, adjustable loans. This is living at home, going to CSUN, trying to think it's the cheapest way. And what I found out when I started trying to pay my debt back and going to these educational conferences to consolidate my loans, I learned from other educational experts that I didn't know even existed, people like me doing this now, that I could have actually gotten free money. Mm -hmm. I could have gone to my dream school, which was Duke in North Carolina. And the funny thing was, it would have been cheaper to go to a private university than going to Cal State Northridge, and I would have graduated a year sooner because mm-hmm. there's smaller schools versus the big schools. And I was like, no, there's no way that I could have gone to a private school. So because of that experience, I ended up helping my cousins. I went in school, I'm like, hey, uh, Omid, come to my house. I figured, I can't believe what I figured out. I wouldn't have had that much debt. So I was helping my cousins and just immediate family with the stuff I learned, then they were telling their friends about me. I'm like, no, I'm in real estate, I have a real estate job. I got out of college with debt, and luckily real estate was booming in 04, 05. I got my real estate license, my aunts bought a house, my parents bought a new house, and you get the two, 3% commission. So I was at the right place at the right (laughs) time. So after being in so much debt, not going to my dream school, all these adversities, getting injured, not playing pro soccer, I was like, one failure, another failure, another failure. I'm like, God, what have I done to people? And because of that, I realized that there was a bigger calling for me, which was helping kids go to college. Mm. And I ended up at some point after about a year doing real estate, I left real estate because people were just calling me saying, Hey, I heard you uh, learned something about this financial aid system. Can you help us? And that's when I got even more passionate about what I knew. And the results I was helping just people uh, right away after the mistakes I made, there's just more gratification doing that than just selling a house. Mm-hmm. So that's where my calling came, and that was the turning point of my life back in 05, where I said, I'm going to go into the college planning field and help people. And now, uh, 14 years into it, we've helped over 25,000 families. Wow. So that's kind of like my background, how I am, where I'm at today. Yeah.
0: What's well, the ramp up to, for someone to do what you do? Did you just learn to do you have to take classes? Do you? I mean, what, what yeah. is in there and learning how to do it?
1: I went because I'm very analytical and I'm very, very methodic with details and I take something very complex. I just, the way I was built, I guess, I learned what I'm really good at is I can take something very, very complex and simplify it and teach it. Everybody said I could be a good teacher. Mm. Uh, Every assessment I've ever taken was I'm very patient, I'm very detailed, and I never give up. And I just keep pushing until I figure it out, like A-type, right? right. Uh, and I realized that the higher education system, so the higher reauthorization act is basically the government's Bible, so to speak. It's 1,200 pages of the entire education system. It's kind of like the tax code. You pull the entire IRS tax code, it's thousands and thousands mm-hmm. of pages. Right. It's taking that and dissecting it into a simple, easy format. So. I go through the higher reauthorization system. I go through the political side of getting all the data because that's everything that the government has written mm-hmm. about the education system. Yeah, That's where I spent my time when I first got into it. Today, there's different areas in college planning. There's the financial aid part of it, which could be a field of its own. There's the educational and counseling side, which is like, being a counselor and helping kids find their schools and majors and applying to college and doing the applications and the essays and all that. Mm -hmm. So that is a field of its own. And then the funding piece, the financial planning piece that's geared towards education, which is the finance side of it, is how do you pay for this without messing up your retirement? That could somewhat fall into a financial planner side. But on the financial planning side, the problem is most advisors are uh, retirement planners, they do investments and securities and that kind of stuff. They don't understand the college planning side of like what assets count and what assets don't count. So you can literally niche yourself as a financial planner in the education field. I do a lot of teachings, I go and mm-hmm. teach CFPs, CPAs, uh, I have over 300 advisors all across the country that over the past few years, people ask me, Hey, can you teach me Uh, the counselor comes to me and says, I know how to get the student in the application, but I don't understand the financials, so I can help someone get in, but they might not be able to afford it. I Mm -hmm. need to learn that piece, or can you help us with that? So I've been able to work and uh, partner up with counselors or uh, admissions people. I get financial aid experts coming in, they do the financial aid, but they don't do the admissions. Um, Or I get financial planners that I've partnered with, insurance agents, financial planners, CPAs, that they come to me, uh, you know, uh, attorneys like you Mm -hmm. on the divorce side, how does that play a role with education? It can save you a ton of money if as a, uh, which we and I worked on some mutual clients I've given you, that it makes a big difference on how you prepare for that. So now there are different, you can literally take the industry and break it down into three or four segments. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be the expert at all. I just happened to learn it because of 14 years, I went to one part. Then I had to learn the other piece and the other piece and bring it all together. Yeah.
0: So when, and kind of talking about um, those different pieces, you don't, you handle all of those areas. Yeah. Right. You don't refer out to CPAs no. or you you are the expert in all of those
1: areas. What I did was uh, because finance was my field, uh, numbers and analytics and problem solving was like my thing I love doing. Um, What we did was we hired former admissions officers and specific counselors that have a license in admissions counseling. So a lot of parents say, well, my school has counselors. I go, okay, what are they specifically doing to help you get in? Are they picking colleges for you? Are they helping you find your careers and your majors and what schools you can get in? Are they sitting down with you at least quarterly from ninth grade to help you stay on track? The problem, I mean, the Santa Cruz has one of the best schools, public or private. On the public side, definitely better schools than some of the other, you know, school districts out there.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: But the problem is, even with that, on the academics, I think they do well. But on the counseling side, if you think about it, there's 600 to 1 ratio between a counselor and students. So the students who are not, unfortunately, doing well in school, that don't come to class, they have to build the attendance up because the school their revenue is based on attendance. Mm -hmm. So if you're a bad student in school, your counselor's on your back. They're going to spend time to try to get you back into school uh, and all of that. If you're a good student, you have to be proactive to go to the counselor and say, hey, I need this help. But how does a student know what to do next or what questions to ask or to go to the Mm -hmm. counselors for help? So there's a huge gap between real guidance counseling to get into college versus just general counseling to take the right school courses and to show up and yeah. to stay motivated. So that's where the the problem is on the on the school side right. to yeah. to that's what we feel. So we have the admissions counselors that specifically help students find the right careers, the right majors and make sure they get accepted. Yeah. Uh, so that's that piece and then we do the financial aid because you can get into school but if you don't get money or can't afford it it stops there so that's why once we got the admissions down I would get parents say thank you we got in but how are we going to pay this $40,000 bill
0: Mm -hmm.
1: or thank you you got me in and you got me $10,000 in free money I'm happy with this with the free money and getting in but how am I going to pay the remaining balance how am I going to pay for this I go well Have you talked to your advisor, your financial guy, or your CPA? They're like, yeah, but it's still, we don't have specific plans on how do we make that happen. So I had to fall into this because people were asking me the shortfalls they were having uh, through this process. And that's how I figured out you have to have an admissions piece to get in. If you don't get in, the financial aid doesn't matter. So you get in, that's pillar number one. Pillar number two is we have to shrink the cost by getting grants financially. So no matter what your income level is, you can get free money. Depends on what schools you go to. So you shrink the cost. But even if you get in, you get free money. That's where the funding came in, the financial planning of it. How do we fund it? If we have a budget, we have retirement, we want to pay off our house. We have all these other obligations already. Now we have to add this extra humongous college bill, not just for one child, if you have two or three, how do we juggle all of this? That's where the financial piece comes in, and that's when I started really researching and getting into the finances and really pushed myself and my knowledge to fit all those three pieces. So, yes, Mm -hmm. we do all of those. You do all of those. Yeah.
0: You know, one thing you mentioned that I wanted to talk about, you talked about the kids not knowing, you know, to to go to the counselors and so forth. We knew our daughter. We we used you for our college planning. Yeah, Yeah, and um, we called... We, like you said, oh, starting in ninth grade. And you'd said that when we met, but we were way past that. Yeah. I mean, I think at the time, she, you guys were like, we were like three months before we had to actually submit. Correct. And i like, I can, yeah, we can get it done, but this is like about the last time, last minute you can start. Yeah. Uh, but everything turned out great, of course. But um, it's interesting to know that you would start at ninth grade. And I think yeah. you had even said, you know, talked about classes they should be taking to help them for that. Um, yeah. Plus, Even though we had a late start with you guys, you guys were able to help with, advice, like helping the essay writing and what schools to apply for, like all of that, there's no way we would ever, even if we had the time, which we don't, but that was instrumental, obviously, getting it done, plus telling her what um, internships to take, and I mean, it just just worked out perfectly uh, for her. And another good piece of advice that you had given us, we had talked probably, we probably did talk when she was, like her first year in college, Um, and she was going to COC, and you'd say, you know what? Uh, actually, before that, you said, I would recommend that she just goes to um, COC if she doesn't have a defined target or idea of what she wants to do, because I yeah. believe you said, and you can correct me, that you see a lot of people going out and coming back yeah. that the, when they don't have a,
1: yeah. a plan. I have a call right now with a student, and this is a district attorney, uh, top district attorney for LA. Uh, he's a client of mine. I won't give his exact name, because yeah. uh, he's sure. very high-end in that, and a very nice guy. Yeah. And his daughter just is at Reed, ones at Reed, and ones at University or ones at Riverside. Um, uh, sorry, University of Redlands. Okay. So the the one at Reed is a really good school in Portland. But one of the things I talk about is think about when you send your child to college, not where you can get in, but the positioning of where are they going to be happy when they get out like weather culture people environment people forget the whole social aspect they just think about the education part mm. and they don't realize that uh, have they lived in, in you know in Portland for a year do they know the type of people there and she's been there for about a year and over Christmas they they call me and said Brian I have some bad news uh, my daughter is really sick and we found out once we spoke to her that she's didn't want to tell us but she, the, she, she didn't want to bring the parents down but she is unhappy where she's at mm-hmm. and now she's coming back home and trying to uh, get her through rehab and just a bunch of issues that uh, she went through um, physically and emotionally that we have to try to get her back stable and now she's coming back and going to COC or mm-hmm. one of the community colleges so that we can take one step backwards right. and then figure out how to get her back on track yeah so I get that at least once or twice a year that students don't plan this out correctly, and they don't have someone that's going to ask them the right questions. Because anybody can follow the science of, hey, I have applications due. And parents go say, Oh, I can figure this out. Let me just go fill out these applications and the deadlines. But they don't think it through, like, what are the mistakes that can happen mm-hmm. that can cost you so much money by going to the wrong school, having your child unhappy, and then realize that it costs you twenty, thirty thousand dollars of mistake and an extra year stuck in college now right. because of not having someone help you or help the child and ask them challenging questions like, why do you wanna go, like, why do you wanna go to this school? Mm-hmm. How do you know this school's the schools are right? Have you spent at least a week at that college? during session if you're going away from California to make sure you like the people there yeah if we would have done some of that because they started a little bit late with us if I would have gone through all of those details we would have at least get her to think twice to go is that really the right school for her right so yeah I think planning that out is huge and the amount of money a family would save just from the peace of mind and certainty Um, so exactly
0: I want to kind of change gears on the questions a bit and, and talk about college planning in relationship to what I do, with which is yeah. divorce. Sure. And w- recommendations and ways, I know it's probably a little bit more complex, but if you can give maybe a few bullet points on what, what families can do if they are thinking about divorce, or even I've had people call me and say, we're working with a college planner and they told us we need to get divorced for college planning <laughs> purposes. And I said, so I've done divorces, where they, they don't have no intention of being divorced, but they are going to, on paper, get divorced yeah. for purposes of college planning. I'm assuming that the benefit was yeah. um, tremendous for someone to, to decide to do that who's, who's been married 25 years. Yeah. Um, so if you could answer that question from that perspective, as well as when deciding on, on custody, If they are doing that either because they're doing it specifically to get divorced for financial aid or they just happen to be getting divorced and they know their children will be going
1: to college in the future, do you have any recommendations on how that should look? Yeah, I'll give you two answers. Uh, I'll give you the technical answer first. If you know your child's going to go to a Cal State, a UC school, or a state school, and you do research at those schools on how the financial aid needs to be filled out, and how they assess everything that's the most important part any strategy we do whether it's a divorce thing or moving assets to get more financial aid or uh, adjusting income if you're a business owner and putting more away pre-tax or writing more off so you show a lower adjusted gross income to qualify for more money. There's over 160 different strategies, but every strategy requires you to really think it through of what kind of careers, majors, and the type of schools you're gonna to go to first, so we know the destination, so to speak. Are we going more Cal States and state schools, or are we geared towards more private schools? Because you have the federal form, which is called the FAFSA, the Free Application for Federal Student Aid. That uses one methodology and stuff you can do mm-hmm. on strategies, including we'll talk about the divorce thing. Yeah, Then you have private schools that use something called the FAFSA still, but then they override the FAFSA with something called the CSS Profile, which is the College Scholarship System Services form, which is for private schools, they use a different form to determine something called your expected family contribution on how they give money. Mm-hmm. So, those two forms make a big difference because I've had parents come to me and say, Hey, Brian, I want to go through a divorce or we went through a divorce and someone told us to do it. We actually had a family, uh, August called me. Uh, they went through a whole divorce because a college planner said to do it. And this is a guy out of Westlake that Mm -hmm. I know Mm -hmm. mentioned this and actually worked for me. And there's, you know, things they say that needs a little bit more clarification. Uh, Told this person go ahead and go through the divorce, didn't realize that that child is looking at USC, gets into USC, and then USC asks for the non-custodial form because on the CSS profile, they go one step further asking about the non-custodial. They have a non-custodial form. Okay. Which means they're gonna go further than that. And even if you go through divorce, they didn't give them money because the they really, I think, didn't tell me this, but they did it because of they thought they can get more money. Uh-huh. They weren't completely going through a divorce. And the school checked everything and did a full verification and realized that they're not really divorced or it didn't make sense. So they counted both of the income again back mm-hmm. in the process. So they spent all this money and time to go through the divorce right. and it didn't help them. So we had to go back and figure out other ways to get grants, which mm-hmm. we did, but that strategy didn't work. So the non-custodial
0: form is a – so they're not going off, say, the divorce decree or the divorce judgment that may say this person, this parent is getting 100% custody. Correct. They're, they have an additional document. What does that verification process look like? What, what, what do they do? They kind of like, take a deeper dive to see yeah. are the
1: kids really with that parent yes. or – They'll go deeper into that. They'll ask you know questions on how many hours, how many days do you spend – With the mom, how many days you spent with the dad. They look at the addresses, they look at what high school you're going to, and they see, you know, mom lives in Costa Mesa, dad lives in LA, but they're putting that the student lives with mom in Costa Mesa. And, you know, it doesn't make sense. So they figured out people who are out there screwing the system Uh that, like you said, they purposely go through a divorce, for example. You know, from the ethical side, I will never, ever tell someone you should do anything that's going to take advantage of someone, a business, a school, or of any course. of that. I'll use a system to maximize the benefit that someone should qualify for, mm-hmm. but I will not manipulate or break the system. Right. That's the difference between any ethical CPA, any ethical financial person, or any industry, I think. Yeah. Um, so uh, people do come and ask me that and I say I cannot advise you if yeah. you're asking me I'm a professional. I cannot tell you here's how you take advantage of the system. Yeah Now that was the other part of the answer back to the first part of the answer if we know we're going to a UC school in a Cal State those are the right schools for the student. That's the only school they want to go they want a bigger school They don't want the smaller size school and they're looking at let's say UCLA on the FAFSA because they only use the FAFSA on the fafsa says who does a student live with 51 percent of the time so as long as we meet those rules and the student lives with 51 percent of time with let's say the mom and even if they verify it in the divorce decree it says that 75 percent of the time they live with the mom and Mm. it truly makes sense for them to live with the mom then you only need to submit the financial aid forms under the mom's name and if the mom makes the lower income doesn't matter if the dad makes five hundred thousand a year and dad is still going to help out we don't list the dad anywhere in the picture because it's not asking for it so that strategy would work and yes in that situation even though both parents are in the picture we have a family like that Dad makes four hundred eighty thousand mom makes sixty two thousand and we got ninety percent of the the college costs at the uc school covered dad's paying for half of it or paying as much of it as possible
0: so what was the the deciding factor on whether it's just a FAFSA application without the verification, I'm not sure I was clear, I understood that.
1: Um, On FAFSA, uh, 30% of files just go through random verification, like they'll just check everything.
0: So they still could fall under a verification to see if it makes sense. Yeah,
1: they can still look at the verification. The chances at the UC school and the Cal State, because they have so many students, that they're gonna really dot their eyes and really logistically think all of it through, doesn't happen. They go through a system through the financials. As okay. long as the tax return shows the student on the mom's mm-hmm. taxes, we have the mom's income, the dad is nowhere in the picture, uh, the student lives with the, with the mom, which is why the student is claimed on, the, on right. the mom's tax return, then the story makes sense. We can submit everything right. under the mom and we meet the 51% rule. We don't need to bring dad in the picture. 99% of the time it goes through and it's fine. Okay. That's where people take advantage of the system, uh, where they go, oh, I figured out yeah. uh, you know, that strategy. I'm going to go through a divorce and do that. I've had people tell me that. I go, I don't care what you guys do personally. I'm not going to tell you my, my take on it, whether it's I think you're doing an unethical thing or whatever. Yeah. If you're going to work with us, these are the rules I need for me to submit everything legally and ethically, right. that you live with one parent, all that. If I get all of that, I don't care what you guys do personally, I'll do the paperwork for you mm-hmm. guys and I'll help you through the process. Right. But I will not you can't consult with me should I do that and yeah. should I, you know, ethically do all that because if if that was the way people would have done everything, I would have said no, you you shouldn't do it and that's not the right thing to do, but I just don't get involved there. Understood.
0: The and then just to to the the other side of that, where did where did that CSS form? Where did that extra authorization or taking a look back to make sure it makes sense it's not what you i think you said usc that that's where they'd fall in so that's a different college than say ucla i mean i know
1: it's a different college but yeah so you can actually go to each school's website if you know all the schools we're going to be going to Mm -hmm. we can call the financial aid office and find out what forms and what is their financial aid process and their forms so if they say we have a fafsa you have to fill out to qualify for federal aid and state aid uh We have the CSS profile that would give you institutional money, merit aid, and all the other grants that we want to get. We require you to fill out the CSS profile. And then in our CSS profile, we have certain verification procedures we go through, like asset verification forms, income verification form, business asset relations, business, uh, uh, business planning forms where if you're a business owner, they want to see your corporations and want to go deeper to see, you know, are you putting in 150000 in deferred comp for your business to bring your AGI lower oh, wow. to see that you've even done that to try to bring your income lower, to right. bring your EFC down. So uh-huh. some schools like Harvard, Yale, or Ivy Leagues, I had two Ivy League students that got in last year. We got them in to the schools. That school and what I have to do to structure financially the financial aid strategies are different than the UC or other schools. So, we have to find out all those forms, know what we're facing, then we plan ahead and go, okay, here are all the forms, or the uh, here's our destination, here's our road the roadblocks and the detour stuff that we see that can happen. Yeah. That you might have issues, potholes, so to speak, on the road. How do we bypass this and know in advance that there's a pothole coming? How do we avoid that mm. so there are even strategies around that so even in a non-custodial stuff we go deeper and we show in the divorce decree and we prove that the student lives with the mm. with one student if a divorce hasn't happened yet we go here's how we should set up the divorce degree i'll give you an example i think you've asked me this before or someone has asked me this where who should have custody right or uh, in the divorce decree it says one year mom is going to file under the taxes, one year dad, and they're going to flip-flop to get the exemption deductions uh-huh. from a tax standpoint. Right. And I'll say, if we're dealing with USC, let's have the mom claim on the taxes every year. So it matches up with... So it matches up because yeah. we have four years of financial aid, so you guys don't flip-flop the taxes, and then the school comes back and says, hey, both of you are going to help with financial mm-hmm. aid. That's a red flag. Yeah. Or let's leave it all under the mom and figure out dad gets paid some other way through other investments or something that he still gets his exemption rights through the divorce decree that they both agree on that makes sense knowing that there's college coming. Right, so
0: So that's interesting because I'm obviously not a financial planner and I'm not a college planner, just handle the divorce. So when I've had these Folks call us, and they obviously didn't come from you, and said, and all they told us is our financial or our uh, college planner told us we need to get divorced because and that, they were just very upfront about it. And I, it <laughs> sounds interesting, totally different take than you have, but they said we need to get divorced, so we're going to do it because they said we need to yeah. to increase our our financial aid. And I'll say, okay, I mean that's fine I, if that's what you want to do. That we'll take care of that, but. You need to get more specific information as far as how are we going to line up the custody. What And that's, this is why I wanted to have you on sure. so much is to just discuss these, not because I want to give this advice, sure. but that people can listen to this podcast and take into consideration when they have some other college planner telling them to get divorced, okay. that it's not across the board yeah. going to happen, that they need to look at each particular school to see if that's even
1: sure. worth their while. Correct. Yeah. It's... In any industry, you have someone that takes a rule and pushes it either past the limit or manipulates it to try to get the sale, yeah. right? Every mm. industry has that. Uh, there are college planners out there. There's articles out there of college planners out there going out and doing seminars and saying, hey, you should like the divorce thing, doing that. I've heard that a lot. And obviously, those people put a bad name to other college sure. planners. I had that when I was in the real estate industry, when I did real estate for a year, there were realtors out there that were manipulating the real estate and doing fraud in real estate that, you know, in every industry, a consumer needs to be be very cautious who they work with and a strategy, looking at the details and making sure, is that really, will it work and will it not work? Right. Uh, So just a little bit of research, obviously working with someone that's been around for many, many years, Right. uh, that's really important because... Yeah, the college buying industry has increased because of the college costs being so high. People are getting into the industry or want to get into it. Uh. But they just learn something and they start going out and telling it's a one size fits all. You should do this. I've had insurance agents, for example, go out and do seminars. We have a client right now that we're trying to get them out of a, a product that was just totally bad. Um, he's He actually lives out here in Santa Clarita. He does seminars all over Santa Clarita. Saying that if you put money in a life insurance policy, for example, then you're going to get more financial aid. Or if you put money in an annuity, you're going to get a lot of financial aid. This client had $150,000 in mutual funds, took it out and tied it up in a 10-year annuity with a huge surrender fee because Mm -hmm. the guy wanted to get a compensation or a huge compensation out of it. And now he wants to pull the money out. And the guy told him, yeah, you're going to get a 10% return on your money and you can take your money out we've gone through the paperwork. I go, you can't take this out. And plus, you're not gonna make 10% in this annuity. Uh, An annuity is not designed as an investment vehicle. It wasn't a comparable move. Yes, it doesn't count against you for financial aid, but the schools we're looking at, they're looking at UCLA, Berkeley, and some of the state schools. Mm -hmm. The dad makes 150,000 a year. And even if they protected the asset, their EFC is like in the $30,000 range. The school costs is thirty five. You're not going to get money, even if the assets mm-hmm. is protected, because your income, your income alone brings you to a place where you don't have a need. So this guy moved his money from a mutual fund that would have made twelve to fifteen percent last year, mm-hmm. put it in an annuity that only makes two to three percent, and it's tied up, and there's surrender fees. And now he's hired an attorney on that to try to figure out how to get out of this mess. Wow. So. That example puts a bad name to other college planners saying, hey, that means then all college planners are bad, and it has to be purposeful. You have to know if you're going to move money. It's actually going to help you. So that's just another example of that type of bad advice.
0: Yeah, It's so interesting. When folks are getting into something to do college planning or to do their own divorce, they think by, they'll save some money. Because we have fees we charge. You have fees you charge. Yeah. And I'll tell you, when we used you, we we're glad to give you whatever your fee was because we didn't sure. have the time, the resources, the know-how, and yeah. how you started off saying that we're gonna screw it up, yeah. that absolutely would have. We sure. barely made dates. You guys were on top of like, hey, we have to have this done yeah. by this date and that date, and, we're like, and we still were falling behind, yeah. and you guys were on us. So sure. we would have never gotten through the process. And as it turns out, we, um, I ended up getting uh, rated as a disabled vet. So through California, my yeah. fees for my daughter UCLA are covered, yep. uh, most of them, not all of them. Sure. Um, had I even known that going in, I would have still used you guys because yeah. I, she wouldn't be going to UCLA right now sure. if it wasn't for you guys. She wouldn't have done the internships or the essays or whatever she had to do to get yeah. those in and I just, you guys are awesome. So cool. Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we, we, we knew you and, yeah.
1: and you guys took care of us even though we walked in the door. Yeah, and that's uh, what I night. live for every day. It's like I tell students too, I go, I didn't know I was going to be passionate about this, it was only because I made a lot of mistakes. Then I realized that as I was helping people, it felt really good, the students loved it, and it just felt really good. Versus when I was selling a house, I would have made more money staying in real estate back then when real estate was booming. And everybody told me, you crazy leaving real estate? In the first year you made like $80,000, you paid all your debt off? And this is your first year in real estate? Why would you leave real estate? And I kept getting people telling me, including family, Uh saying, you, why would you leave real estate to go into the education field, which uh, generally is not sure. a high-paying field? But I did have aid
0: and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. So I just said, I love doing this. I paid yeah. my debt off and I've, I want to do this. It's a passion of mine. So I always tell students, find your passion and go into something that there's a need for it. I didn't yeah. know this was going to continue and education was going to keep getting expensive every right. year. If it was for the money, I should have stayed in real estate. But because of the passion and the long-term benefit, today I do what I do and we take on more families and help more people than any competitor that I've ever had. I have competitors, I don't really call them competitors, they call me now and they want me to guide them and teach them how to run their practice now. Mm. So I have over 300 people I do two to three times a year seminars that I can't do one-on-one that I go and I teach them best business practices on how to run their business what to do in your practice like don't go out there telling people you should go through a divorce (laughs) don't go selling annuities or insurance to everybody in the world but yes if someone makes the right fit on an annuity transfer. If it's a short term annuity, they're going to get more money on the financial aid. Yes, move it because they're going to get 20, 30% more on financial aid Mm -hmm. than what they're going to get in the market. Yes, there's a place that you tell someone an annuity or an insurance makes sense. But here's how you explain and teach people when they should make moves or do things that's going to really help them. Right. So I, I love doing that because that's how I get into we have 10 staff members. We help over 150 new clients a year. All of this really just happens because we have a passion. We really care about helping people. And I love the results, like that kind of story that you talk about. That yeah. We probably wouldn't be where we're at today. And I live for that every day. So. Awesome, awesome. Well, super glad to have you on. Is there anything you'd like to add before we wrap up? Um, no, I just think um, anytime families have any question or anything they need, um, I love that what you're doing because I don't, I've had many uh, uh, referrals from uh, all kinds of attorneys, yeah. especially also uh, divorce attorneys as well. Yeah. But a lot of the ones that, that we've worked with charge all these high fees to do you know, divorce because they charge by the hour. Right. We had a, a divorce attorney, I won't mention a name, he was he was telling me that he's at seven figures on this divorce case. Mm. That client came on board and hired me and I sat down and looked at everything. Both of them were somewhat amicable. But I'm like, I have no idea why the divorce bill reached seven figures no. because they kept postponing it and delaying it and all that. And he never, ever asked me questions the way you're asking me that, hey, what should I do to reduce my clients' fees? Right. He didn't come and tell me, hey, what do I do to set things up? that's going to help for financial aid. Yeah, I brought it up to him, but he never asked me those things. So not only that family was paying seven figures for this divorce, and then when you and I met, and we started chatting what you do, I'm like, this is brilliant. It's yeah. You're cutting down the actual attorney fees and still getting all the paperwork done and the divorce completed, same thing. Yeah. Everything's the same. <clears throat> you're just not charting astronomical fees by the hour yeah. and all of that. And I know that for a fact because we had a first mutual client that is very big in this area, which uh, we won't mention enough, but they run a big uh, amusement park, let's say, for example. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And several people like that that came to you that the attorney bill would have been so high for a person that caliber and the amount of money they made and the amount. She comes to me all the time. She still tells me that how much money they saved, that I was able to be yeah. almost like a mediator to help them yeah. from the financial side because right. I managed both of their assets on both sides. Uh-huh. And to say, look, you guys, the best thing you can do for your kids and for yourself is um, just let go of the past. You can't change that. Mm-hmm. The longer you guys have disputes, the higher your bills are That's gonna right. go with an attorney. That's right. So if you could be amicable for your child's sake, for them to see that Parents are good, and we can have relationships, healthy relationships with with mom and dad. It helps them go to college at ease, not having to worry that mom and dad are just as enemies, which then hurts them, hurts you physically and emotionally, hurts everybody you deal with, hurts your job, you have a hard time making money, you can't think, and you spend over six, seven figures in fees to get this done, and she always tells me the work that you did for her, and me referring them to you, and not having them hire uh, an, an actual full-on, fledged-out attorney yeah. with the amount of fees they were looking at. Yeah, so those I, are appreciate those are also the too. stories that I
0: love to hear. And you're, you, what you just said, I sing, I sing that song all day long. Yeah, I can tell you story after story of clients coming to us who've sure. been built by attorneys. And when I look at what's been done, hardly anything. You yeah. know, when you charge four or five hundred dollars an hour, yeah, five grand is ten hours of work, and they're done. And yeah. that's not enough to get a case done. So. Sure. We take people coming in who've who spent twenty, thirty thousand. They're out of money, and we wrap them up for a thousand bucks, and they're done in a couple of days. It's just, I think yeah. not all attorneys are bad, but when it comes to divorce, you know, they can pry in on those emotions and they can mm-hmm. um, twist the knife, if you will. Yep. And start, you know, I have people that can be amicable go to an attorney, and the next thing you know, they're fighting because attorneys yeah. are talking on their behalf, and. Mm-hmm. Mixed, you know, like yeah. words are mixed, and
1: the next thing you know, they're, they're fighting each other. Yeah. And it's, just, it's just bizarre. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, we sat down and I said, look, if we go through this emotionally, it's going to cost a lot of money, and you can't put a price tag on it or get to a resolution. If we look at this logically, intellectually, what needs to be done, and I, my job is to help you get away from the emotional aspect and bring you back on track from a technical standpoint, from a logical standpoint, from an intellectual standpoint, that how do you want to split these things? Let's go through this, what's fair? If you're both truly looking to be fair, we're gonna get somewhere with this. Um, what you did, what I did, why we're in this position, it, you just have to get past that. Great advice. Your advice. Well, fr- and I say this, your front windshield when you drive a car is bigger than your rear view mirror. So if you spend time looking at your rear view mirror all day long, instead of your front windshield in your car you're going to run into the car in front of you and mm-hmm. get in an accident in life it's the same thing if you worry about what happened in the past you're going to keep having problems going forward right. so we kind of went through all of that and I, and I get uh, my staff tells me I should get. I should be charging more fees mm-hmm. for family counseling that I've done. <laughs> Somehow I've been involved because this is a right. college planning family, uh-huh. you know, environment. I end up tending to give these. you so, have like, like, four the, tenants that you're handling. Yeah. the
0: financial, the admissions, <laughs> i the other one, yeah, and, uh, and the family. Uh, counseling. Yeah, the family counseling.
1: But I just love doing that because if I can put someone in a better place than they were before they met me, I know I have good karma on my side. Sure. Our business grows, our life grows. I'm happier. All of that. Yeah. So, um, anything we can do to help your families, uh, I think you're doing great work sharing this stuff. I mean, this kind of podcast, giving this kind of stuff for free. Yeah. People pay me four or five thousand mm-hmm. dollars for what we just covered today, yeah. or more. Uh huh. People pay me more money for that guidance. Yes. We're giving this out on the podcast for free. So, yeah. And sometimes we think, you know, something free, we just don't put a price tag on it, right? Right. I've been I've been giving people books or info for free. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm not giving my info for free anymore. Mm-hmm. I've given that same book for 20 bucks. I made them buy it. Yeah. And then when they read it, they're like, oh my God, this changed my life. Then I go, here's your 20 bucks back. Mm. I go, I never cared about your 20 bucks. Your book does not make me money the books and the stuff I've done yeah. it's charity I give it back because I love helping people I don't make money off the books I do it to pass the information on right. but it's this thing that we have in the psychological world that when we get something for free we exactly. don't put a price tag we just right. go ah oh, it's whatever Yeah. so this is that's not a free podcast you're doing this is a huge value and service you're providing for your listeners yeah I think
0: that's one thing because I know you do seminars as well right yeah. for, um, for getting clients the Free information is what I built my business on. Yeah. And while it is valuable, and I do agree that, you know, give something, I have a book as well, I give it away. I'm sure it ends up in the trash or in the back yeah. of the car or something. They don't read it because they didn't pay for it. Sure. But when my business has been built on free information, I have over a thousand uh, videos on divorce, yeah. uh, 600 or so podcast episodes about divorce. And that's how my business comes in. They they listen to it, they they learn from it. Some people will take it away and never call, call me, but those that do, that reach out and need to help. That's what's there for it. Sure. just uh, what's interesting in the legal field is, attorneys and and other professionals in this industry they don't want to release it. They want to keep it close to the chest so they don't. The clients rely on them, but yeah. for me, it, it makes it easy to spread the
1: word. Sure. And when they do reach out, they're going to reach out to the person that helped them yeah. first. So. What's the abundant mindset, right? Yeah. Versus a scarcity mindset. That's exactly what it is. You know, I was told when I first started this business. The stuff I learned at the workshops, I was telling people how to protect their home equity, and we still do. At our workshops, we actually give them how to protect their home equity. We show them what the EFC is that they never knew about. Yeah. We give the farm out at the workshop just because I can't help everybody in the world, anyways. So if I'm going to get five minutes with someone or an hour with someone, I want it to be the most impactful time I've spent with them, whether I ever see them ever again. I know if that puts them on the right track, I've done my good deed. We know a certain percentage of families will come and go, you know, we appreciate that and we want to hire you to help us, you know, solve all the other part. It it still works whether someone never comes back again and they get the info and it really helps them or some people they don't know what to do with it or do nothing with it. I know we have the good intentions to just give information whether they come back and we ran our business through that and people like don't do that just give a little dangle to carry Uh, and then make them pay for the rest like no i don't want to do that yeah i want to just give everything and people who appreciate it will come and they'll enter my life for a reason and if people are not meant to be in my life from a faith standpoint that i have i know that faith brings the right people in my life for a reason yeah and faith also takes people away from my life for a reason if we don't have congruency then it just doesn't matter and i just trust that hierarchy yeah. for those reasons so that's just how we operate. Love it. How do people get hold of you, Brian? Uh, collegeplanningexperts.com is the best place to go look us up. Um, also for all your listeners, one thing i decided to do is we usually charge like $97 to $200 for a one-on-one to really dive into a family's info, help them guide them, put them on the right track for these podcast listeners. Um, For the next few weeks, what we'll do is we'll block off some time and we talk to my staff that if they want to get a hold of us, they can call us at 818-201-4847 or if they go to collegeplanningexperts.com, we have three different locations, but we service families nationwide and we can do a one-on-one college planning analysis, see where they're at. What roadmaps and pitfalls they're going to foresee and what to do and put them on the right track and give them that map. That whole planning, that's an hour to 90 minutes. We usually have an investment fee that families pay. Mm -hmm. We're waiving that for all of your listeners if they want to take advantage of that. Just to give extra information personally to them if they want to take advantage of that. Love it lawexpandingexperts.com.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for coming on Brian. We really really appreciate this. this is some super valuable information. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks yes. for having
1: me on the show. All right, we'll talk to you soon. All right,
0: mate. You've been listening to Tim Blankenship on Divorce Master Radio. Learn more at divorce661.com, where you can find hundreds of video and audio tutorials discussing the California divorce process. Need professional assistance with your divorce? Give us a call at 661-281-0266 and let the professionals handle your divorce.